Hi, this is Brad Bright, and this is the God is the Issue podcast, where we show how God is the issue in every issue, because we can trace all our human problems to our view of God. You know, there's been a lot of talk about chat GPT these days, and most recently, um, chat GPT has been creating these imitation Bible verses, and, and a lot of Christians are reacting, getting up in arms um, because of it. However, let me, let me say here, Although it is wrong to twist scripture, I am encouraged by what, what, what is going on. And let me explain why. You know, Oscar Wilde wrote, uh, who, you know, he wrote the picture of Dorian Gray, books like that, as you would probably know him by. But, but he made this statement one time. He said, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Now, most of us have heard that quote, maybe even uttered it ourselves. However, that's not the complete quote. Mr. Wilde's full statement is a bit more, shall we say, descriptive. But I'll circle back to that in a few moments. First, let me say that if Oscar Wilde was right, then Christians should feel very flattered. ChatGPT recently uh, penned a trans, uh, trans-affirming Bible passage. Let me read you a couple of excerpts from it, actually three excerpts. First one is, my child... Blessed are those who strive for unity within themselves. Folks, Jesus never talked about unity within yourself. He talked about unity within his church. Another one was, be not afraid for the kingdom of God, for in the kingdom of God there is no man nor woman. I I guess that means either I'm not in the kingdom of God or I'm not a man. But they actually, the Bible actually says they are both male and female and that followers of Christ are in God's kingdom. And, and here's the third quote from there. It said, the gates of my father's kingdom will open for those who, are, who love and are loved. For God looks not upon the body, but the heart. Wow, that, that sounds really appealing, doesn't it? I mean, you know, God looks on the heart. God will judge you based on your good intentions, right? But Jesus never said that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If we want to be in the Father's kingdom, we must do more than just love. We must love Jesus. Now, the guy who posted it on Reddit, you know, he said, let's see, he said, I was feeling so sad today, so I asked ChatGPT to write a fake biblical passage about Jesus accepting trans people. I know it's not real, but it gave me comfort. Wow, a fake imitation Bible passage giving someone comfort. Uh, That's the first time I've ever heard that in my life. Now then, this guy's not the only guy who's done this. Uh, PETA here recently has used ChatGPT to give the book of Genesis a a vegan makeover, you know, that's one that's a cruelty-free version. Uh, PETA president Ingrid Newkirk said, The Bible has long been used to justify all forms of oppression. So we've used ChatGPT to make it clear that a loving God would never endorse exploitation of or cruelty to animals. Wow. So in the PETA version of Genesis chapter 21, you know, when Abraham and Sarah have Isaac, Isaac is born, they also adopt a dog named Herbie. Not Moses, not Solomon, not even Goliath, but a dog named Herbie. Now, that's, that's a horrible Jewish name. Imagine Abraham and Sarah going, Herbie, Herbie, come eat your matzo ball. I, I don't think so. 
Now, PETA is hoping that their fake imitation Bible will appeal to Gen Zers. Now then, let me return to Oscar Wilde's statement. His full statement is this. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. Did you catch that? Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. My point is this. The Bible, whether you agree with it or not, is still regarded as the greatest moral teachings and explanation of who God is that the world has ever known. It is the gold standard. It's the Mona Lisa. It's Mount Everest. Everything else is a mediocre imitation, a fake you know, from the beginning, the Bible has been copied, twisted, imitated. Remember the passage in Matthew chapter 4 about Satan tempting Jesus by twisting Scripture? See, this is, there's nothing new to this. Or what about Arianism, Gnosticism, Universalism, Mormonism, and now chat GPTism? Christians should feel very flattered indeed if Oscar Wilde is right. However, if he's right, Christians should also feel very, very reassured. As long as people try to continue to imitate the Bible, we can reasonably conclude that it's the gold standard. No one's trying to imitate the Book of Quran. No one's trying to imitate the Book of Mormon. No one's trying to imitate the Bhagavad Gita. They are still trying to imitate the Bible. After 2,000 years, the Bible still reigns supreme. Now, a lot of people may not like the Bible, but you know, it's awful hard to ignore, isn't it? Almost everyone has a heartfelt opinion about the Bible. Why? Because it's the greatest story ever told. It's God's story. It's a story of God reaching down to his creation. There has never been a greater story, and there never will be. So the next time ChatGPT comes up with another fake imitation of the Bible, feel reassured that the Bible is still king. They imitate it because they can't do better. If the Bible wasn't the gold standard, they wouldn't try to imitate it. They wouldn't try to fake it. They wouldn't try to censor it, burn it, ban it, or even cancel it. And they certainly wouldn't try to chat GPT it. The day we should become seriously concerned is when they ignore it. As long as secular culture continues reacting to the Bible, trying to imitate it, folks, there's still hope. So you see, this is not a problem. This is an opportunity. So the next time one of your coworkers or friends quotes a fake chat GPT Bible passage, just respond, you know, if what you said is true, this changes everything. Can you tell me more? Why do you believe that? And then after they've talked for a few moments, then ask them this question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how deeply do you believe that? Now, if they say anything other than a 10, if they say a 7, 8, or 9, ask them this question. What would it take to move you from an 8 to, not a 7, an 8 to a 9? Why do you want to do that? One, it's non-threatening. They're not perceiving that you're trying to convince them to move your way. You're simply asking, what would it take to move you from an 8 to a 9? And as they answer that question, they are going to tell you what their concerns are about their own belief. They're going to tell you their doubts. So listen carefully. And after you've chatted a while, then, then you can ask, you know, have you ever read the Bible? Do you know what the Bible says about this issue? Would you be interested in learning more? What's your biggest question about the Bible? You see, now you're having the right conversation. It, the conversation is now going the right direction.
So, folks, if you use a warm voice, these responses invite a person into conversation about what the Bible does say. And, folks, that's an opportunity. Now, if they respond, no, that's their choice. You gave them the opportunity. All you you and I can do is open the door for them. We can't force them to walk through. We can't convince a person against their will. So don't badger them. Just leave the door open. See, our job is not to create good soil. Remember the parable of, of the four soils that Jesus told and there was the good soil? Yeah, our job is to find good soil and then till it. I've actually had people come back months later and say, Brad, remember the conversation we had? I had a question. You see, they came back when they were ready to talk. Not when I was ready to talk, when they were ready to talk. If I'd been judgmental or pushy or, 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 or mean at all, they, that would have never happened, right? See, the goal is to invite people into the most important conversation of their life. It's not to immediately tell them where they're wrong. Don't let the good be the enemy of the best, folks. Seek to have the most important conversation, not just conversations about symptoms. You're not the authority, and neither am I. God is the authority. So let's get our finger out of the air and start pointing people back to God's word. Of course, if you don't know what the Bible says, that's a problem, right? You can't easily have those conversations. And if that's you, here's my recommendation. Start reading your Bible five minutes a day. Just pick it up and read it for five minutes a day. The point of it is, is get in the habit of opening your Bible every day. And over time, you can push that to 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. You know, the sky's the limit there. But start today. Start reading your Bible every day for at least five minutes. Now, for those of you who read your Bible on a regular basis, I would encourage you to join a Bible study, either through your local church or through a group like Bible Study Fellowship or or Precepts Bible Study. Both of those two groups do a great job uh, of helping you understand the Bible more deeply. Now, then they will require you to do some reading and studying at home. But if you'll do it, you'll come out of their, 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 their classes and their time with a much deeper understanding of God's Word. Now, of course... If you're not a part of a local church that really teaches the scriptures, that's the place to start. That's the first step. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus asked us to focus on growing the wheat, not on pulling up the tares, that is pulling up the weeds. Instead of telling pagans to stop at folks all the time, We need to invite them into spiritual conversations. We need to change the conversation to who is God and why does it matter on this issue. You see, the Apostle Paul never told pagans to change their behavior, not once. What he always said is, change your God. That's the starting point. That's why I never, ever say abortion is wrong or same-sex marriage is wrong or even racism is wrong. What I say is there is nothing wrong with abortion or same-sex marriage or racism unless, unless God actually exists. You see, you can't start with survival of the fittest and reasonably conclude that abortion, same-sex marriage, and racism are wrong. Survival of the fittest means that the greatest good is that the strong survive and the weak die. That's what drives evolution forward. That's why God's existence in nature is 
is the critical issue. If God does not exist, then the greatest good really is that the strong survive and the weak die. God's existence and nature changes everything. So if you're concerned about chat GPT twisting the scriptures, and I am, start viewing it as an opportunity to engage the people around you in spiritual conversations, spiritual conversations about what the Bible really does say. Not by lecturing them with your finger in the air, but by graciously offering them something better. You see, unlike the federal government, you can't give away what you don't own and never forget that. So make sure you are daily and weekly in God's word, equipping yourself to have these spiritual conversations. You see, God really is the issue in every issue. So let's use chat GPT to go out and make him the issue. Folks, as always, like or subscribe this podcast if it's been meaningful to you or or helpful to you, and that helps us get the words out as well. Thanks much.